Welcome to Hallel Fellowship, found on the internet at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. We hope you are encouraged by the following recorded Bible study to look deeper into every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and how they were lived out in the life of Yeshua HaMashiach, often called Jesus the Christ. Over the years, uh, both by Jeff, myself, and people before us have talked about the Feast of Trumpets and presented them at different times, uh, different events, different things going on, about different themes being discussed, which inclusive, obviously, of both the the idea of what a trumpet is, meaning the shofar, as well as the silver trumpets, which was read in uh, Numbers 10 today. I, I assume a number of you probably brought your trumpets with you, because we're going to be blasting a few of them today through my little spiel, because it's, it's fun. Um, but anyway, so we discussed in the years past what trumpets are, what they're used for, the various symbolism attached to them. The dominant one, which we just read, obviously, in Joel, it's also repeated again, of course, in Ezekiel, uh, is obviously trumpets designed for warning or information, but dominantly to warn someone. So as a general rule, we, ha- we already know this, uh, but uh, just to, to write it down, trumpet, uh, I spell it, T-R-U-E-T, that's a T, uh, is dominantly used for warning. To warn people, that's its, that's its primary function. Uh, it can also, obviously, as numbers pointed out, be used for calling people, to call people to assembly. But they, uh, even in that, technically speaking, is actually a form of getting your attention. Because when someone's blasting out a big trumpet, they say, what's that big noise? You turn your face to look. What's going on over there? Is to get your attention. Either way, it's still the primary function is to warn. But obviously, it's in general, it's to get someone's attention to either listen to or pay attention to this function, what's about to happen. So we've talked about these over the years. Uh, obviously, in general, we've talked about the idea of, uh, of what we, uh, Thessalonians, which is also repeated in Second, Second uh, Corinthians, uh, the idea of the resurrection of the dead, uh, bringing back, going back to, uh, up to God, or not back to God, but up to God, uh, as far as the, the different peoples over the generations and, and natures of, of life. I'm going to go into too much detail about that, I, too much, too extensively. What I want to point out as a general rule, we're discussing trumpets and warning. Uh, throughout our Torah, in obviously Exodus, which is um, Exodus what, 15, I think also in, uh, also with the Ten Commandments are given, Exodus 19, discusses the trumpets is associated with God himself. And that's our dominant player. So, because ultimately, when I deal with trumpets and the warning, where does the warning come from? God. It has to come from God because I can sit there and spiel out and say, hey, a bad guy is coming or something. Well, that's fine and all. But biblically speaking, we're not worried about the bad guy at the door. God is the one who's speaking to us. So the warning isn't just any ordinary you know, schmo saying, hey, we got a bad guy at the door. Dominantly, it is designed for from God himself. So the warning comes from God to people. That is its, that is its, its, its biblical primary function. Not its only function primary function is to the warning a message from God. It comes always from the Exodus chapter 19. That was, that was more of a, a declaration of the Ten Commandments, which is also a form of warning. Hey, change your behavior, watch your behavior. We have obviously in uh, Numbers, uh, sorry, Numbers, uh, Deuteronomy 4 and 8 and 18, all the various examples, we have the voice of God speaking to people and also designed to catch, uh, to catch our attention. The scenarios which God is speaking 
obviously associated to trumpets and the sound of trumpets, but you, you can read Exodus 19 to discuss that more extensively, but we're gonna, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that day because we've all read the Ten Commandments uh, many times over. The idea being in general, God's instruction has trumpets, but overall he has other, other symbols attached to those events as well. We have obviously there's in, in, in both the Torah as well as book of Revelations, we always have uh, a heavy, heavy repetition of it in the form of sound or noise. In general, it's to, know it, to, to make a big blast, a big noise, a big, big attention getter. Why we have our shofars, we blast our shofars. That's its, that's it, that's its, its symbolic use or how it's used. That noise, of course, is associated in the Ten Commandments and Revelation, discussing with uh, lightnings. Uh, and there's, all, um, lightning. there's also uh, uh, earthquakes. I mean, there's various other, other things. We're going to jump through all these. Unless you have a specific question regarding uh, the, the, the symbolism of a trumpet or shofar, the great blasting, or symbolism of the noise, or lightning, earthquakes, or warnings. If you have a question about those specifically, that's fine. We can get to discuss those in, in greater detail. But what I want to grab your attention in particular, which is what we covered a little bit, was read a little bit, obviously in Matthew 24 today, about uh, this particular feast. Because unlike all these different events, which for the Ten Commandments, of course, was theoretically near or around the time of Shavuot, we don't have the exact date, of course. It's, a, it's approximate. We don't have, we don't have, we don't have perfect uh, knowledge of that. But these trumpets themselves, this is a feast guiding or focusing around the trumpet itself of the great warning, a great blast, the noise, the noise blasting capability of our trumpet is a feast dedicated to that only. So this feast in general um, is obviously based trumpets, but the feast of trumpets is has has one primary focus, which you get attention. So we've discussed this this years past, we'll discuss it again today because it's the season of, of time to discuss. Uh, you will notice there's a few themes that are come along with these trumpets that we're going to discuss today. Uh, the themes in general are all designed to change your behavior, change my behavior, change humanity's behavior. Uh, that is where warnings come from. That's its function for it. So if we have, for example, we look at Ezekiel 3 as well as in 33, it repeats the, a very, very similar account. Uh, they both discuss that they said, hey, God says, hey, if a bad guys are coming and somebody that watchman does not rattle off their to blow their horn and to warn everybody, hey, this bad guy is here, uh, the fault is on the watchman who didn't do his job. So we have these basic functions that the trumpets are designed to do a particular job. What is the job? Well, the job is to warn people. Warn about what? What are you warning about? Change behavior. What behavior are we trying to change? The stuff you're not doing. <laughs> the stuff you're doing wrong, right? So, <clears throat> these trumpets in general, there's heav- they're heavily discussed in, obviously, in uh, our New Testament, more so than our Tanakh, but it still has a lot of discussion there as well. So, in the case of trumpets, I happen to like the Feast of Trumpets based on the Book of Revelation. That's where my general drive is to the particular feast, because that's our dominant player of trumpets throughout our entire Bible, is in that particular book. So, Book of Revelation itself covers the Feast of Trumpets as a whole as not um not to confuse the concept of uh that all the trumpet revelations are all supposed to be only associated with the feast trumpets strictly that's that's inaccurate uh, it's the it's like it's the subject matter of trumpets is in 
the revelations as, as discussed the, the seven trumpets there being blasted. For the bit a bit today. So first of all, let's head to Revelations eight. I think I'll hit the yeah the first first part of the book. <clears throat> okay. So if you read the Revelations eight, we'll go through this a bit. I make some room here out of my my desk is reshaped. Instead of jumping to Revelation 8, verse 6, which is where trumpet number 1 begins, that's not where it begins. That's where it continues on. The actual beginning appears to be toward the tail end, uh, sorry, the first part of chapter 8, which is the seventh seal. You will note when the trumpets start in our description, mind you, this is not sequential in chronological order, meaning event-wise, it's just description-wise. It starts, appears to be a response to the prayers of the saints. So let's go to Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. When he opened the seventh seal, <clears throat> there was a silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given the seven trumpets. Then another angel, having golden censer, came and stood at the altar, and he was given much incense that they should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. The angel took the censer and filled it with fire from the earth, from the altar, and threw it toward the earth, and there were noises and thunderings and lightnings and earthquake. Yay. All right. Let's go through this real quick because this is going to be fun. Trump is designed for noise and such, but why we talk about prayers? Because what are the prayers doing? So we have prayers of saints. I'm going to go this relatively, relatively fast, not too fast though. Prayers of saints. The prayers themselves, what were they doing with the prayers? P-R-A-Y-E-S. Uh, no, I misspelled. Prayers. Close enough. Okay. The prayers of saints. We already know from, from our previous discussions over the years that the golden altar in the temple is designed for the incense prayers, to, to cover incenses, incense. But we also know from Revelation's instruction, those incense, the incense for the golden altar is prayer of the saints or prayer of God's people. So in this instance, we have the prayers of saints that being mixed the incense, the golden altar for God's throne and cast down the earth. What I want to grab your attention, however, is what happens when it casts down to the earth. You will note that it has thunderings. There's, there's, oops, there's noises, including thunder, th thunder, something like that. There's uh, what is it? Thunders, lightning. Uh, what is it? Has a uh, and earthquake. Noises, thunders, lightning. Light thing, and then that's a G, and then earthquake. Ah, uh, it sells earthquake again. U U A K E. Okay. Surprisingly, I, that's I'm being joking. Okay, it's not surprising. Surprisingly, it's not surprising at all. Noise, thunders, earth, lightning, earthquake. Uh, recall the mountain of god the ten commandments were given what they hear there was thunders and lightnings and noises and the earth was shaking <laughs> so why is it the prayers of saints have the same physical response or very similar i shouldn't say the same very very similar i say very similar because to be fair technically speaking the ten commandments the earthquake did not occur until elijah made it happen He's actually had the earthquake take place. So this was really a trick thing. An earthquake at the Ten Commandments. 
the others were, were, and then Elijah, of course, at the same location makes it, or it makes it, God does it. But Elijah's there, it's when the earthquake takes place. But the whole point is that you notice the symbols here in the, the prayers saints have striking similarities to the event that took place on Mount Sinai where the Ten Commandments were given. Were given. A and D. The commandments were given that, 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 that particular place, which should tell us symbolically and pay attention to us wise, if it's talking about something that reminds us that already that are to place back to the Torah, go back to the Torah and share out what that was about. So we have something in, in anywhere in our Bible that says, hey, I've read this before. This sounds familiar to, some, to me. Why is it so familiar? Go find out why it sounds familiar. I'll tell you why it sounds familiar, because as I mentioned, 10 commandments. That's why it sounds familiar. That's what they were given to us. So when, I've, when I see the prayers of saints being the golden altar, cast the earth, and all these things happen, and it strikes my memory, I've heard this before, doesn't God get the Ten Commandments? What is the connection then between Revelation here, chapter 1, sorry, chapter 8, verse 5, with Ten Commandments? What is the prayer of the saints about? Is it about, um, oh, oh, my life is tough? I highly, highly doubt that. The prayers of saints, the saints that God said, his words, what are the, prayer, what are the saints praying about? Saints that God gave to us. God makes a connection between the prayers of saints and give you the Ten Commandments. So saints are praying regarding subject matters within inside the Ten Commandments. Pretty simple. Nothing complicated about it. And how do we know that's probably true? I say probably because can't guarantee it doesn't specifically say that. The trumpet themselves, what is the function of a trumpet? To warn somebody that something bad's happening. And we'll read through our trumpets today that there is a particular theme that repeats itself over and over again. Not through every trumpet, but through at least periodically through trumpets, that the idea is to return people to a particular way of life, a behavior, to alter your behavior. Is God trying to make us to change behavior to go away from the Ten Commandments? Or make us change our behavior to go toward the Ten Commandments? It's God. The behavior change we go to, we, we would advocate for is to go toward the Ten Commandments because it's our God. That's our God's about. That's how he revealed himself to us. So if we have the prayers of saints and God's associating this event of noises, thunderings, lightning, earthquake, whatnot, which we already have associated with when, we, when God first gave the Ten Commandments to us, that we would know intuitively, prayers of the saints are somehow associated with the event of that mountain, the Ten Commandments, which, which was the biggest dominant thing to place on that mountain, with these events, with, with the, 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 these descriptions as far as noises, thunders, and lightnings. So we're going to, I'm, I, Daniel, I'm going to associate the prayers of the saints with the events on Mount Sinai. That's how I'm going to associate them because the Bible associates them to, to each other. And if I'm going to say it's a Mount Sinai, I have somehow related to my commandments. What were the commandments function? To instruct us on what is how to live, what is good, what is not good. Do this, don't do that. That's its function to my commandments. The whole honor your father and mother. That means don't dishonor your father and mother. Thou shalt not kill. That means you, you shouldn't kill and you shouldn't advocate killing. <laughs> You should stop stealing. Does that mean you should steal? It means you should stop stealing. So the idea is change your behavior. Uh, this is your God, as opposed to that's not my God. Right? The, the idea is that it, it directs us to a particular behavior, a particular way of life. Take remember, its primary function was to do that. Tell us this, how you live. 
So the prayers of saints, what would I pray about if I was a saint? Let's pretend I was. I'm not. Let's pretend I was. If I was a saint, what are we praying about? Well, saints' primary drive is being inspired and driven or, or directed by the Spirit of God, which we learned that from the, from the apostles. So the Spirit of God's influence in someone's life makes someone a son of God, according to, according to, to, to John. So to be a son of God, I would have to be driven by God and driven by God's prayers or his, 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 his uh, not, sorry, driven by God's spirit in order to change our behavior. So it live by behavior. So I already understand the general point of a saint, the function or purpose, or I should say the uh, descriptive characteristic or the common thread, be a son of God. No, I'm not saying Jesus. I'm referring to the, the, the generic term son of God. As John, first John points out that we can all become sort of the sons of God if we obviously, which Messiah can give to us. And we're not going into the theology of that yet. The idea of the saints is that character. So all of us, all of us people who desire to be sons of God, as in Galatians is the exact same thing. They all, they all repeat it to us, that that is a characteristic trait of someone who is driven or inspired by, or is, um, their life is completely controlled by the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. That is the characteristic person that is a son of God, which would imply, of course, saints, where the term saint comes from. That's the idea. So that's what our, our apostles tell us about being a son of God, which, of course, would then be someone who's driven by the Spirit of God. And, of course, would be then, well, this person who's praying regarding saints, which of course, if you're driven by the Spirit of God, you're behaving in the fashion that God wants you to behave in. That's kind of the general idea behind it. Nothing too shocking here yet. So now let's go into our, our, our trumpets. So the idea that this, 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 this character who's praying is one of, or actually one of many of the grouping together, the sons of God. There's lots of them. I don't know the numbers thousands, millions, whatever. The the sons of God are the ones who are praying. And what are the sons of God praying since they're driven by the Spirit of God and their their prayers focus or or bring thunder, noise, lightning, and earthquake to the earth, which is, of course, what we get from the Ten Commandments. Then the Spirit of God drives the sons of God, as which are the saints, to obey and follow Ten Commandments because they're all tied together. Therefore, a saint is someone who advocates for and believes in and drives their life toward following God's instructions, the Ten Commandments. Make sense? Nothing too shocking. These are all pretty, pretty basic you know, Christian and Judeo-Christian philosophies. There's nothing, nothing, nothing abnormal here. This is pretty much universal for most Christianity. So let's move forward now. That's the general drive. So of course we have, any, no questions so far, right? Good. So we have so far, we'll go with the trumpet number one. Now, I mentioned, one, one the question. trumpet's designed. Oh, yep. go ahead. What's your question? It wasn't, it wasn't some of this Mark Perry, by the way. Good to see you again. It's been a year, two years maybe. Um, I, remember, I remember Mark, yeah. <laughs> so the spirit, of God, the spirit of God, I wrote down Yeshua came full of grace and truth. Prior to Yeshua, right. there was truth. After Yeshua came the grace, which is the spirit. So I'm kind of, well, the spirit was there, but it was selectively applied to prophets, etc. Yes? Right, because various prophets have, it describes them, have the Spirit come upon them. So yeah, we have, we have, it existed, but go ahead. So my point is, if we're supposed to be sons of God and the Spirit of God, it's the Spirit of God that allows us to be in unity because the Spirit is working through all of us. The grace is the connecting point, which is the Spirit. So it's truth in grace, Spirit in right. truth. 
So I'm just, I was underlining, I was kind of questioning, but I want to underline the nature of the Spirit and how the Spirit's working to bring about uh, okay. us as sons of God. I didn't want to interrupt your speaking, but I wanted oh. to underline oh, that, that's how fair. that that's Spirit's fair. working no, no, no. in so, us today. How about that? Right. A question. So, so how is I, that Spirit I, 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 working in us derail. today? <laughs> I don't want to derail the trumpet topic, but uh, we'll, we'll cover a, a, a little bit. So this, my objective was not to teach you what saints were, sons of God were necessarily. That, that's, a, that's a different topic. So uh, if we discuss uh, the, the Spirit of God, it, its function as Messiah gave us the example throughout his life, is that it ties you as an individual to be at one with God. That's its. That's its really. It's 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 mechanical. It's tool. It's device function that it does. It ties you to God Himself. The idea being that uh, the whole uh, uh, the laws of God written in your heart. That is that you desire or your your intensity is to mimic or live your life as God would live His life. If assuming, of course, He was a person walking around. So that was the idea as far as how you would tie them together. In the case of how it functions inside in humans today. I can't speak for everybody because I'm not everybody. I'm just me. But uh, to me, uh, the spirit, the son, being a son of God is 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 dependent upon me, of course, being mimicking or following my Messiah, my Jesus or Yeshua. How, what do you want to call his first name? Um, as far as the life he he gave, because the spirit of God given to him uh, without measure, he obviously allows. He can then give it to somebody else. If if somebody gives me a million dollars, I can then give the million dollars to anybody who I want. Right. So the Spirit of God is given to, to Messiah without measure. He can then give it to other people as he sees fit. And of course, the apostles point out, you follow Messiah to make that happen. You've, meaning, 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 meaning obey his instructions, believing in him, all the, all the stuff that goes with the following Messiah. So being the Spirit of God, is, is I'm not trying to uh, derail the trumpet topic because that was not part of my discussion today. But the Spirit of God is, is to me, in my, in my viewpoint, it, it follows what uh, our God creator and of course his son uh, gives to us as far as his, hey, this is what you will do with it. That's how it's functionally used. Um, that's that's my how how I view it as as that function, and that it it is uh, it is it is a it is a a character a trait of our God and our and our Messiah, which allows us to communicate back and forth with Him in that in that capacity. So that driving person who would be a son of God would be someone who is also mimicking a similar lifestyle. That we're instructed to live, which of course with Messiah Himself, for us how He gave us His lifestyle. Uh, I wasn't trying to go too much detail into this. Um, let's see. It says, uh, "Oh, right." He's, uh, Jeff wrote down Romans eight explains how the Spirit of God works today. That's that's fair. We can we can go through that. I don't want to go through that today because it's it's totally off topic. No offense, but it's it, you can you, you can study it more more thoroughly. It, it's, yeah, it's it is its own subject matter worth studying on its own. But uh, anyhow. Designed to connect you to God Himself, <clears throat> so that's the Son of God characteristic. So this person or these individuals would be attached to the Ten Commandments. Oh, sorry, Mark, did I, did that I don't want to go into too much detail, but is, is that sufficient enough? Can you do, do you have any further questions on that? Or is that I was that, just looking for the definition and context. Definition in so, context. You provided it. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Sorry, I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Um, <clears throat> so let's move forward here. Feast trumpets itself. So trumpet number one. Uh, in Revelations 8, starting in verse 6, it says, So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed with mingle of blood, and were thrown to earth, and the earth third of the trees are burned up, and all the green grass is burned up. Wow. Okay. So we have, in general, the Ten Commandments are, are somehow attached to the prayers of saints, which apparently spawned 
initiated, started, or was the response to their prayers where these trumpets then strike, meaning that the trumpets are then used. So some that the prayers of saints appear to be the trigger point of where the trumpets come out to play. Warning. Again, trumpets function dominantly is to warn someone, so don't forget that principle throughout this story. So in this case, we have the first trumpet, of course, has hail and fire. We heard that before, where we hear hail and fire mixed together. The plagues. A-L-A-Z-G-U-E-S. Thank you. Plagues. Hail and fire mixed together. What happened to hail and fire mixed together? It came down from the sky, hit the Egyptians, destroyed those who were in the field, wiped out lots of stuff. I'm not sure what it wiped out. A lot of various plants and things destroyed the hail and fire, mixed with blood. Um, and of course, we have hail, followed with fire, mingled with blood, and thrown the, the, the earth, and yada, yada, yada. So what does it tell us? Well, wait a minute. Now, hail, fire, and plagues, right? Hail, fire, and plagues. Oh, my. So hail, fire, and plagues. So we have the hail, fire. Uh, sorry. It's a side joke. It just popped my head. Anyway, so hail and fire. So we have the plagues showing up here. What was the function of the plagues? What was their function? I truly mean their function. I'm not mean like, oh, hey, let's let's go kill Egyptians. No. What was the function of the plagues? It was a judgment. Judgment. Oop, that's an M. Judgment. On what? We said, well, on Egyptians. Well, not just Egyptians. It was their entire uh, the religious system. So judgment dominant, dominated by or, or, or the primary function was to dis- demonstrate to Egypt who God actually is compared to who he isn't, right? So judgment, not just on Egyptians, but actually Egyptian gods. Egyptian. Oh, I'll put a low G for respect to English. <laughs> Egyptian gods. That was his primary function. The judgment for Egyptian gods. So I have hail and fire and destruction. So what, what is, if, if, if I can see that hail and fire has been revelations and I know that it's also hail and fire, it shows up in, 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 in Egypt with the judgment of the gods. Then what does, I, what does that tell me? Trumpet number one is associated with the plague of Egypt judging Egypt's gods. So what's Trumpet's gods? I mean, what's number one? What god is it trying to, 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 to judge? We don't have an answer for that. I don't have a specific answer. All we know is that this particular one in both Egypt as well as in Revelation took care of trees and grass. That's its, that, that's its impact. That's what struck first. Uh, it was the earth itself. So it tells me in general, trees of grass are associated with, a, of course, obviously, earth, dirt, planet, the ground itself. So, so in this case, trumpet one, I ran out of room here. Hold on a minute. I'm going to erase this real quick. So trumpet one hits earth because where did trees and grass grow? They don't grow in the water. Okay, there are some species, but generally they don't grow in water. They grow on dirt. So it hits the earth in general. Struggle number one, judgment on the earth itself, the trees and the grass. Because I learned that from obviously how God did with the Egyptians. It's the Egyptians' gods. So there's somehow associated with the earth and a god, but God down here in parentheses. There's somehow a god associated with this earth, the, the earth god or god of earth, the god of the ground, whatever you call it. Somehow Egypt's attached to them. Therefore, trumpets, since it pulls from Egypt on its symbol, Therefore, there's somehow there's a God associated with the earth or the dirt itself. Trumpet number two, second angel sounded, and as a great, a great, excuse me, mountain burning, 
would appear. So fire thrown into the sea, and the third of the sea became blood, and the third of the living creatures, and the sea died, and the third of the ships were destroyed. Okay, so number two, trumpet, we have water. Actually, I should be more careful. Not water. That's incorrect. It does not say water. It says sea. Sorry about that. Sea. There is a difference. Sea. But note it became blood. Where we hear that before? How did water become blood? River, plagues, Egypt. So somehow the sea, and mind you, the plagues, the plagues of Egypt were focused about the gods of Egypt. So sea and this whole blood thing, there's somehow a god associated with that, that this particular trumpet focuses on the sea itself. Don't confuse that with water, because sea and water are not say the same thing. You can't really drink the sea per se. It's salt. Well, you could, but it doesn't work well. So sea is actually its own thing, independent of, of water itself. But it hit the blood, and of course, it kills sh- or destroys ships. And was it ships? And what was it? I forgot. Uh, there are ships. Oh, living creatures and the ships. So creatures, creatures, and ships. So the sea turns to blood. A third, it's one third of the ships, it's one third, right? Uh, one, uh, one third of the creatures and third, so one third of each. So one over three, approximately, of ships and creatures that die from this blood. Now we roared from Egypt to the Nile River. It turned to blood. What happened? The fish died. See, oh, it says right here, uh, C equals Canaanite God Yom. That totally could be because you know, that, that, that could be. <laughs> yeah. uh, there, there, is, there is a lot of God associations here going on. So in this case, the Sea of course and ships, we're not referring to you know, the Sea of Galilee, right? Because that's not a sea of we think of a sea, that's a lake. And we're not for the Dead Sea, they don't have ships in the Dead Sea. The only place that has ships would of course be the Mediterranean Sea. Med. I can't spell Mediterranean, so I'm abbreviating with med. Um, so Mediterranean Sea, it would be associated with these clear ships. Of course, obviously creatures go with them. Mind you, I should be more careful when I said this, um, it is Judeo-Christian tradition that the trumpets themselves are focused upon Israel and the Middle East in particular, as opposed to the globe. Judeo-Christian tradition, I say Judeo-Christian because Judaism has a central focus upon Israel as well, even though they're not, they're not Christian, it doesn't make a difference. This is a focus on Israel and the trumpets within, within uh, the warnings within the prophets discussing this. They focus upon Israel itself, and Christian tradition also tends to throw the trumpets also on Israel themselves, as opposed to Timbuktu, South Africa. Right or I don't think it's the only place. It doesn't make a difference. In a, in a place on Earth, so don't confuse that with the bold judgments, which Christian tradition applies to globally. So they, these are Christian tradition divides out trumpets versus bowls as separate things, categorizing to two different groups of people or categories of people being addressed. Uh, trumpet number seven actually supports that philosophy, which is why Christian tradition came with that with that idea. So. This would mostly directed toward Israel proper or the, 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 the Middle East in general as, as, a whole, as a whole group. So this seas of blood. Now, obviously the God, uh, I, I, that's so wrong, Jeff. Club <laughs> 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 I'm dead. Uh, sorry, it's a humor. It's okay. Don't distract me. <laughs> so let's go through this. Uh, so we have the earth been struck. The sea's been struck. Again, we're all focused upon gods in general because the, Egypt focus, which all these are connecting our minds to, because remember, they are all about the gods of these particular things. Um, you could argue Mother Earth, for example, be an example of a modern day terminology for a god of Earth, Earth Day, that type of concept. 
that you don't hurt Mother Earth and that kind of thing. I'm not saying it's a good thing to destroy the Earth. I'm not. I'm just saying that they're they're different. There there there's a there's a worshiping of a particular thing, a steward. There's between worship and being steward of. Yes. So it could be Earth or Earth Day or Earth Goddess, you call it. So again, these are all strikes against the gods of of man in general, but also focus heavily against the gods for the the trumpets in the Middle East. So it covers only a third and only a third, which is still a lot, but not 100%. So there's still ships do survive, creatures do survive, but at least a third of them apparently die in this process. The third has its own symbolic belief system as well, which we can discuss too. That's also a different topic from Ezekiel too regarding his beard spoke up to third parts, but we will discuss that day that that goes off the, the topic of the number of one third. Uh, so trumpet number three, it also strikes the next thing. He fell, star fell from heaven. This is verse 10, uh, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and of the springs of water. The name of the star was wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood. Many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Now this, this is why it's separated why sea is separate from water. I should, I mean, we're, of room here so third the third trumpet hit water now as opposed to sea this is drinking water we think of like rivers and streams see we get our water from so this one focused on the water itself as far as what we can cons- what we consume how we live our lives that kind of thing but in this particular trumpet uh the name of the star was called wormwood oops that's not how you spell wormwood o r m w o o d thank you dear so worm, 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 so worm or worm? I guess I spell it. Oh, I never looked at that. Anyway, so wormwood. Now we learn from our Torah, we know what wormwood is. Wormwood, according to, the, to, to Moses, and that is the delusion. Delusion? I think it's called delusion. The delusion that, um, that, that my behavior, my way of life, though it does not support or does not agree with God's instruction, is okay with God. So the, the worm word is attached to the delusional thought process that my way, as was a God's way, my way of life, God's likes it is good with. And in fact, that's the idea of wormwood. He calls that's wormwood, that's delusion, that's bitter, that causes death. What's that? D-E is the D-I-D-E. Thank you. I did not master spelling in English. Actually, for any language, that matter. Yeah. So, wormwood. So, if I, if I have, okay, the water, which is, of course, the, 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 the primary function of all life, we use water to breathe, or not to breathe, but to drink, to survive. Plants drink it. Our bodies are made of it. That's the dominant player of our, of our whole existence. Well, if wormwood becomes wormwood, that means this dominant player of our existence, water, has been converted into, or our way of life is converted into a delusional way of life. The delusional way of life is the idea that, that my way is good and God's way, I don't have to obey. God's way is unneeded. That is our Torah. Our Torah says, Wormwood, people think that. That associates worm with. God's way is unneeded, unwarranted, is wrong, should not be followed, should be abandoned, that kind of thing. Rose, you have a question? Go ahead, Rose. I just had a comment. Uh, I was listening to a fellow that he said uh, there's a comet coming in 2028, and it's called Wormwood. 
it's supposed to, uh, you know, come real close or hit the earth. Yeah, that I don't know. I have heard that there's been theories since I was a child, probably before I was a child, actually, before I was even born, about, uh, well, God will send a, 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 a rock that will come to the earth and, and it'll be, some, some people theorize that, well, it's made out of wormwood. Well, wormwood is a plant. It, it is a plant. It grows here, it grows most throughout the, throughout the world. So I can't speak to whether that comet or that rock or the meteorite is somehow going to be utilized this fashion. I wouldn't know. There's no way of me knowing that information, so I couldn't say. Um, maybe it is, maybe it's not. But when we're dealing with the trumpets, the plagues of warning, we're focused dominantly upon people's behavior. That's brought out in one of the other trumpets, which we'll get to today. It's the human beings are the objective. Um, the trumpet that covers locusts and such. So, in general speaking, if I was going to focus on water or the cons of wormwood, regardless of whether it's a physical thing that flies to the sky and hits the ground, or whether it is a philosophical viewpoint, the behavior is what I'm focusing upon. It's called wormwood, and our Torah tells us wormwood is the, the philosophy that God's way is, is, is not needed or not necessary. That's what wormwood t- tells us. So if I'm going to look at God's viewing of and describing it, what he sees the world following, if he's going to say, this is wormwood, this is bitter, this will cause you to die, I'm going to think, okay, God, you chose the word wormwood. You could have just said rock. Rock falls the sky, makes the water bitter. He chose to call it wormwood, to call it wormwood, because wormwood in the Torah, which God gave to us, God says, this has a symbolic function. Symbolic function is being self-delusion that you believe your way of life is right and God's way isn't. That's what Wormwood's supposed to be as far as our Torah is concerned. Whether or not he then also or extensively or, or adds to or, or increases the event to where there's actually a physical rock that falls and hits, hits the ground somewhere and causes some water, water damage, that's totally within his realm to do so. In spite of what that does doesn't occur, the philosophy of Wormwood being delusional weight that my life is the delusion that my life is, is right or excels in God's eyes and God's weight isn't, that's still my inherent problem. This is what we're going to focus on because the trumpet person, the warning symbol, the warning blast, is going to tell me we have a problem. The problem is this philosophy is a problem. That God's way of being wrong in your eyes is a problem. That's how I'm going to associate these things because I try to look at the, the book of Revelation, the stories in general there, that we're talking about something which God is viewing, how he sees these things. He may not necessarily see them in the fact of a physical thing in our minds or our physical bodies. The prophets discuss what they physically look like, but God discuss more of how they symbolically look like because he is a spirit, not a physical thing. Not saying it won't physically happen too. I'm just saying that in the, 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 the instructions I have from the Torah, if I see wormwood, that's what I'm going to associate. The self-delusion, the idea that, that God's way is wrong and my way is right. Wormwood, of course, also anti-parasitical plant, dying that it kills off the parasites, so it kills off the delusion or delusional person. You are a parasite, in another way of looking at it, because you are benefiting from the people who do believe God's way of life. I'm just looking at our modern-day world today, so that, hey, we have a nations, we have many nations who have a general concept of right and wrong based upon Judeo-Christian values. And those who wish to say, forget it, my way is better, I want to follow my way, they are benefiting from our general Judeo-Christian philosophy and how we wrote our laws. So there is some, there is some 
parasitical nature to a person who has this philosophy in general. But that's how I view it. Obviously, this is how this is this is what I'm discussing here today. Not say a physical rock won't fall. It may or may not. That's not my decision. That's God's choice. This is how I symbolically look at the trumpets themselves, how they would how they would see it. Uh, let's see. You also have another comment here. That says rock equally nation or power or nation slash power. A rock named Wormwood equal power that causes bitterness against God. That's possible too. It's conceivable to do it that way. Um, I don't know for certain, but when it comes to this wormwood itself, the idea being that God's way is the problem as far as our Torah is concerned. So be somehow against well, it's bitterness, against, bitterness against God. I don't know. Bitterness, got, bitterness against God's way of life. I do would say yes. Now we already know from Moses, God's way of life is what leads us to life. He says that before you two choices: choose. I would that you choose life, but choose life or death is before you. God's way versus man's way. So either instance, whatever it was, turning against God or God's way of life, either way would lead us toward death in some capacity or another. Um, let's see. Another question is a person's question. Whoever the person is, didn't have a name. <laughs> person, what's your question? <laughs> Mark, Mark Perry again. A comment. But one of the Mark, go ahead, Barrett, Mark. One of the prophets says a there an oracle of delusion speaks in the hearts of the wicked. Wicked being defined as those that don't follow Torah. So following right. Torah keeps you on the straight and narrow. You literally God allows an oracle of delusion into the heart of the wicked. And that's true, and, and, and that's, that, that itself is, I think, is, is phenomenally interesting because it has its own uh, theological implications with inside the, 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 the Christian scriptures about, well, God allowing the, this, this weird delusion inside of people, like blinding them in their own respect. But that's its own topic of conversation, but it truly is a fascinating topic as far as where God's hand is inside allowing these delusions to take place versus stopping them or preventing them that's its own uh, that's its own like really big topic <laughs> but yes that's an excellent point uh was there a question in it i don't know how many questions there were any comments so far i'll get I'm here a on time already go ahead okay oops saying all so is good okay and so let's move forward here so in topic number four when i raise some of this i'm out of, I'm out of room so wormwood, I'm going to read a little bit. I'm going to this this wormwood. I put this beneath it um, uh, delusion. So chapter number four. I'm going to start writing smaller. Chapter uh, number four. We have uh, fourth angel sounded. Oh, sorry. Let's see. So I got earth, sea, water. Okay, now we're four. Fourth angel angel sounded, uh, and a third of the sun was struck. A third of the moon, a third of the stars, a third of the of them were darkened, a third of the day did not shine, likewise the night. I looked and I heard angels flying in the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, 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 uh, to the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast, the trumpet, uh, of the three angels who are about to sound. Okay. So number four appears to strike heaven. Heaven or, or the stars, heavens above. So heaven. Now, this is, of course, where we get dominantly where our, our Joel chapter 2 came into play today. And, of course, obviously, Matthew 24. The heaven, the fourth trumpet, apparently focus on sun, moon, stars, 
And then, of course, we have what is it, day and night. Is it both day and night? A third, see, a third of the day, not shine, light was a night. So we also have day and night. So, Chaminar 4 seems to affect these particular items. So we have earth been struck, sea been struck, water's been struck, which, of course, is, is, is water that we drink. And, of course, heaven's been struck. Now, in our Tanakh, more specifically, of course, our Torah, which we have, where it covers the topic of instruction regarding sun, moon, stars, day, and night. Sort of slash here. Uh, these are all discussed and, and explained to us in our Torah itself. So we have, in the case of the sun and moon, uh, and our Torah has two, two examples, two, two uh, symbols given for it within our Torah. We have obviously the day of creation, the sun and moon to rule the day, the sun, day, the moon, night. Oops, that's an N, a G, H, T. But we also have uh, Jacob and his wife. So both the sun is associated with Jacob as well as the day, the moon is associated with night as well as Jacob's wife, which is the mother of Joseph, or not the biological mom, but it's the mother of Joseph in general, um, so, meaning, meaning of, of the sun, because his biological mother was already dead by the time Joseph had that dream about the sun, the moon, the stars bowing down to him. And we also obviously have the stars associated with the sun's Sons of Jacob, Jacob, and we also have the stars. That's the sons of Jacob, meaning in 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 um, in Joseph's dream. We also have stars from Abraham, meaning the descendants descendants of Abraham. I'm going to abbreviate Abraham because his name is a big word. Um, so we have these symbols of sun, moon, stars. Obviously, sun and moon have day and night associated, but they also have people associated to them. The stars also have people associated to them. So I can't say for certain whether this heaven striking is, is, is supposed to be, meaning supposed to be strictly physical, or it's also meaning the physical sun, physical moon, physical stars, or it's also symbolic or representative of individual groups of people. My personal Daniel Angel's opinion I tend to lean heavily toward the groups of people more so than the physical sun and moon and stars. I'm not saying they can't be physical. Say I lean toward when I'm dealing with a warning from heaven, a trumpet. If I blast the trumpet, um, the sun isn't going to care about me blasting the trumpet. I'm here on the earth. The moon's not going to care about me blasting a trumpet either. It's way up there in space somewhere. The stars are even further away. They're not going to care at all. Humans, however, will care. They're the ones who hear. So I tend to lean heavily toward the individuals who can hear being the ones the trumpet is for. So for example, this earth thing, the striking the trees and, 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 and sticks and, and grass, the trees and grass aren't going to listen to or care or, 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 or pay any heed to the noise coming out of a trumpet. They don't have ears. or They think they can like vibration somehow, but they don't have ears. The water itself, the sea, it's not going to hear the noise either. Yeah, the, the sound does travel through media like that. But again, the sea doesn't have an ear itself. It's just water. The water, the drinking water also doesn't have ears. Uh, heaven itself, meaning the sun, moon, stars, they don't have ears either. So they're not going to hear any of the stuff. So to me personally, Daniel Age's viewpoint, I tend to focus on even though these things are physical in nature, the one to listen to it are human beings. They, we have ears to hear, unlike idols. Hence the hint idea of gods here. 
Um, and gods won't have ears. So the sea doesn't have an ear, what have ear. And of course, we all know that the sun, moon, stars were physically worshipped as gods. So there's actually a god here also being struck. They, they themselves don't actually have ears to hear. Sun can't hear, but yet it was worshipped as if it was a god. So to me, when I listen to trumpets, I'm the one who has, has real, he- real ears, as long as I'm not deaf yet. Um, so I was focused that these are, these are messages to human beings who value these items. So it could be that in fact, as Joel describes, all it is a physical like fiery dust cloud of some form that kicks up in the sky and blocks these items out. That totally could be all it is. I don't really know. But I'm suspecting the nature of sun, moon, and stars because the Torah has two symbols for it. It's probably twofold. It's only going to include blocking out sun, moon, and stars physically as far as dust or fire or smoke or whatever, but it's also going to include the other symbol, which is the human beings involved with them. So it is going to include the attack upon the sons of Jacob in particular, the descendants of Abraham in general. That's how I associate with them. I also know sun, moon, and stars, not so much the stars so much, sun and moon also have to do with associated with the holy days or Moedim. Moed, which is more, more, more generally the moon, but does the sun is, is associated with that as well. So it's possible since these items dictate Moedim or the Moeds in general, uh, the, the Moed appointed times, that it may also affect those appointed times as well. I can't say for certain. Uh, Catherine Perry, you have a question? Go ahead. Well, an, uh, more a comment. Uh, my observation is that, that the whole creation. Uh, is in relationship with God, and that these earth, sea, water, and heaven are, they're not like us, but they are in, they are responding to God's instruction for these things. They are servants of God, and, and, and we know that sin will cause the earth to respond in different ways, uh, or sin or righteousness, the righteous or, you know, the earth will be blessed and will be fruitful when the righteous are functioning properly and the wickedness like we see happening in our world now so much wickedness and all this the, the thing one thing after another after another that's decaying and 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 shattering and and so i think it's not the the creation is alive to god in a way that's uh different from how we are alive but they are they are servants also that's how i see it interesting idea i'm not sure but you have a good fair fair, a fair point in that um if that's being the case it would imply that some as opposed to inanimate objects don't have ears the it would imply that the that the trumpets may be inclusive or also messages to the angels or spirits who are in charge of those particular objects because they would have ears and they would have a response to it for example when god said you know it's part the sea for example well, we have the, 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 the water blowing through is one way if we part the sea or with the, the Jordan River, it just stopped and made a big wall somewhere further upstream. Um, and, and, and I personally have always said, well, some angel did that. Some angel did this some, or, or spirit or, or whatever, as opposed to individual molecules obeying God. But that doesn't seem to me that my viewpoint is correct or right or wrong, it's just different. So it's possible, true, you may have a fair point that, that the items being struck here, even though they themselves don't have ears, um, the angel associated with them is responsive or responsible to or can at least hear God's voice in that capacity. And that could be a fair uh, 
viewpoint as well. And that because Messiah pointed out that no man, no angel, not even him knows the timing of all these details. Only God himself knows. So when these angels sound, they don't know when they're going to do it. They know when God says, you do it now versus not doing it now. So it's possible that the, the spirits involved in these inanimate objects may be also anticipating, oh, is it my turn yet? Or is it my turn yet? Is it my turn yet? And waiting for the, the, the trumpet to sound. It's, it's conceivable that that, 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 that that would be associated with it. It gets a little bit, a little bit odd, a little bit weird in, in, my, in my personal view because I haven't sorted out my own head yet. I'm not sure about this yet. Because it implies that, uh, that inanimate objects may have some spiritual, not they themselves, but some spirit in charge of them. And that's, it kind of borders a little bit closer to, the, um, to, the, to, 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 to other religious uh, perspectives, which I, I, I don't know how that would work out well. That's, that's a theological discussion worth having, but I don't have a good answer for it right now. But you, have, you may have a fair point. In, 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 anyway, we slice it. God created all these items, both humans as well as inner objects. So they all ultimately, him being the God of everything, is in charge of all them in general. So it's no matter how you slice it, even though they, they may not have physical ears. Uh, Christine, you have a question. What's Christine? Go ahead. Hi, Daniel. I just wanted to encourage us all in terms of hermeneutics and a proper study that um, it's so important for first mention. And uh, when we when you brought up about heaven and the sun and the stars and day four of creation, uh, it set up authority um, in terms, and I've always thought of that day as Yeshua having the ultimate authority, the authority over the Moedim. And, and um, you know, I, I think that um, when we are doing these types of studies, this is a really bold study to uh, take revelation and, match and pair up these seals and uh with torah because i've always been taught that uh, revelation is torah scrambled up and uh we always go back to the first <laughs> first mention and then making these connections together so it's a, a bold study that you're embarking on and you've got a lot of uh interaction from your students over here so we're just going to keep what? encouraging you to move through this it's fun <laughs> These are fun topics, and, and, and to be fair, I'm not going to be able to cover this in, in, in full justification. This is more of a, hey, look at this, and then you can look deeply deep, more deeply upon your own time, because there's no way I cover this. Each of these topics were their own, worthy of their own book of study. So this is more of a general overall view of Feast of Trumpets, because the Feast is about trumpets. So let's move forward a little bit, because I'm running a little bit low on time. Uh, so trumpet number five, uh, number five covers a few, oh, sorry, one more detail. I apologize. Stop, pause. Tale of the four, it has this angel saying, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, the bad, guys, bad, bad things are going to happen. Note, this is where I think it's fascinating because the idea of a trumpet itself is supposed to catch warning. Pay attention. Bad things are occurring and respond to them. So when you choose not to respond, that's their problem. If you respond, it's a good thing. In this case, trumpet number four, the idea is that, hey, beware, worse things are happening. What's the objective when a trumpeter, in this case, a warning person, yells out or blasts a trumpet, bad guys are coming? What's their goal? To have you respond to the knowledge that bad guys are coming. So if I have this angel yelling out, whoa, 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 bad things are coming, 
What's the goal? Well, if I'm looking at the purpose of a trumpeter to warn people bad things are happening, so they respond, then the idea is that he's saying, whoa, 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 more bad things are happening. I should respond. So it's again, it's a human response. That, and the idea of response, well, if I'm going to respond because bad things are happening, my response should be A, protect myself, <laughs> B, defend myself, right? These are the kind of the, the basic principles. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, it, this, this is a repetition of a, a variation. I covered this. Jeff put out the chat, the chat menu. We covered it a couple of years back. Same, same principle. Um, so to respond or, or, or address the, the warning that's coming. So I'm being warned by an angel from God that, hey, God's wrath isn't finished. The idea is that I should respond, do something about my own behavior, scenario, situation to change so that this wrath does not come upon me. The idea is repent, change behavior, right? That's the idea. Because we're talking God, not talking about the you know, soldiers. So we're talking about God. So number five, so God gave the opportunity, a pause after verse, after verse chapter number four, to allow us to, to be warned, hey, now it's time to change your behavior. We haven't done it so already. Fifth one sounded, saw a star from heaven. As, uh, sorry, sorry, chapter nine of Revelation. Fifth one sounded, saw a star from heaven at uh, the earth. It was given to him to the bottomless pit. Right? No, that's the grave, right? And he opened the bottomless pit and smoke rose of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. The sun, the air were darkened because of smoke of the pit. Uh, out of the smoke, locusts came upon the earth. They given, given power, scorpions, the earth to have power. They were commanded not to harm the grass, the earth, or any green thing, or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. By the way, that seal of God could be discussed another time. That's, uh, that's more associated with uh, uh, Day of Atonement. Anyway, uh, on their foreheads. And they were, not, and they were given authority uh, to kill. So they were not given authority to kill, but to torment them for five months. The torment was like the torment of a scorpion with it strikes a man. In those days, men will seek death and not find it. They'll desire to die. Death will flee from them. And the shape of the locusts was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads and crowns were like gold. Their faces like faces of men. Um, they had hair like women's hair, teeth like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. The sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They, uh, they had tails like scorpions. Uh, there were stings or tails. Their power was to hurt men for five months. Uh, and, they, and they had a king over them, the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in Hebrew was Abaddon, in Greek is uh, Apollyon. One woe is past, behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. Okay, that's a lot, a lot of stuff. And I don't know what 90% of it is. <laughs> so the description given here, people say, oh, it's helicopters. I know it's tanks, it's airplanes, whatever. You can think whatever it wants. We're talking, this is God, okay? <laughs> so I'm not going to say what, this, what these devices, these creatures, the animals are, because I don't know. You can have it in your own mind, what you think it is. That's fine. To me, again, I focus on the spiritual concepts regarding uh, revelation, not so much the physical ones. So whether it's a physical object that goes in and can only hurt people but can't kill them, which I haven't figured that part out. I got a helicopter, shoot you and blow you up but not kill you, it can only hurt you. That doesn't make sense to my head. So something's off there on that theology. Anyway, so regards to what that creature, animal is or isn't, it doesn't really matter to me because I'm not interested in the creature when it appears. I'm interested in what it does. What's the creature do? It hurts men. That's its function, to hurt them. But it's likened to locusts. I know locusts, not personally, but as far as the, the Taurus, the locusts. Locusts themselves, that's a particular insect. 
or type of bug. Is six legs? Yeah, that's a bug. Anyway, so the locusts, what's the locusts function? Locusts eat green things. They eat leaves, grass, and then green living. But these guys are told, don't touch the green stuff. Only, hit, only, only injure men, only injure people, only hurt people, not green things. Well, this is a change of behavior. As we learn from locusts in the, in the plagues of, of, of Egypt, when the locusts, according to Pharaoh, said, this is a death. That's Pharaoh's words, by the way. He calls locusts a death. He tells Moses, take this death from us. I have sinned against God. That was Pharaoh's statement. Of course, he, didn't, he changed his mind later, but this is what, he's, what he associates with. But notice, Egypt, the locusts weren't eating people. Who are they eating? All the people's wealth, their food, the stuff that keeps them alive. Locusts were eating what was valuable to the people they needed to survive. All their wealth was being consumed. And that's what triggers Joel, chapter one. I'm not going to go there now, but you can read it yourself if you wish. The different waves of locusts that come through. So, okay, well, uh, but these locusts in particular, they're not after green things. They're out to hurt men. This is a different behavior. This is a strange behavior. But locusts, if they're eating green things, normal ones, that is our wealth. That's what we value. Our food, our food supply, which we need to survive, and of course, our money, because we sell things that we make. That's sort the of thing. So locust eating plants, I totally get. That makes sense. The symbols, symbolism is totally dead on. Yeah, it is, our, it, is our, it is your wealth and your survival being consumed. But in this case, the locusts designed to hurt men instead. They can't kill anybody, just designed to hurt them alone for five months or so. Or like locusts. Actually, they are, but they're something like locusts. So that tells you that these locusts themselves, they aren't after our, 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 our crops. They're after our people. They're after people themselves, injuring people, causing harm to people. Men are trying to say, kill me now and they won't die. So it's not, we're not, not causing death. So this locust is actually harvesting people. So they're after people or consuming people. So people are the target. Not, 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 not crops. So this is a people eating locusts. Not really eating, but people hurting locusts. So <laughs> Isaac asks, is it like a gargantuan oversized man eating locusts? <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> really, really big ones. Um, so, but the target are people. The target are people. I mean, this locust, whatever it is, I can't say what it is or isn't. It, whatever, the description is non, nonsensical to me, so I can't describe it very well. It just is. It, I don't understand it. I don't have to understand it. The target, I do understand. People are the target. I say this, now, again, now I want to enter Daniel's opinion again. This is my perspective, but I don't know my opinion. My next whiteboard. Nice to have a second one. <laughs> so I'm doing locusts. Thank you, dear, for cleaning up for me. I have a locust, which is focused on people, but locusts normally eat our wealth, which is our in the form of crops. The, the, the grain, the grass, the food we produce, that's a dominant consumer of wealth. But these locusts, which focus on wealth still, locusts still as well, are eating people. So I have a question. Don't have to answer this, but just think about this. You don't agree with me. This is my opinion now. If this normal locust eagles wealth of food and plants, what wealth do people represent that's not food or plants? This is my opinion. You disagree with me. This is how, this is how I view it. I can ask if there's another question. Let's, let's rephrase this so it makes more sense, more sensical to some, to, to some other viewpoints. If I was going to talk to any politician known to mankind, 
Are they going to value the plants? Are you value the people? People, <laughs> we call them politicians also known as kings. A king is only a king if it has someone to rule. There's no one who rules out a king. So if I'm going to say, okay, these locusts, which normally would consume all forms of wealth that we value, which is plant food items, but locusts, their function is to consume wealth or take away what you need to survive, though these guys don't get to kill anybody. So if I say these boat guys are focusing on humans, it is conceivable in my head that the humans are the target because they are the wealth or the valuable item that the locusts are after. Man is the wealth. Man's the target. Man's the goal. Human being is the goal. That is Daniel Age's opinion. It may not be, but that's how I view it because locusts in general have a goal or a function within our Torah, which consumes all of our wealth. But these locusts, they consume without eating by death, but causing harm, consume man. But the only people who value men over props and plants and food and such are people who are kings, politicians, people who are in charge, nations, governments. They value who are human beings. Because if I got no one to rule, guess what? I'm a politician of nobody. I'm a king of nobody. I have no wealth. I have no tax base. I have nothing. There's no one I can rule. I'm not in charge of anyone except, of course, myself. So it's possible locusts somehow represent or associated with wealth of man or human beings. Again, that's Daniel Age's opinion. I could be dead wrong. I don't really know. That's how we view it. Um, let's move forward. So number uh, six. Uh, see, trumpet number six. Uh, oh, sorry. Comment here. So those are fearful going to land. Oh, right. Hey, there's a, there's a reference. That's an excellent point. I didn't even think about that. Good job, Jeff. He says, those who are fearful of going into land, remember the, 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 the spies and spies of the land, they quoted, we were like grasshoppers, or we were grasshoppers in our eyes. Rather than descendants of Israel being devoured by inhabitants of the land, the descendants devoured the inhabitants of the land. <laughs> Yeah, so that's fascinating. That's an excellent point. Hey, I like that. I should, I should put that in my notes for next time. Okay, I'll, I, I will forget if I don't write it down. Oh yeah, I'll just won't erase it. Okay, I'll do that. I'll write it. The chat will be up there. So that's a good grasshopper. I'll have to remember that. That is awesome, Jeff. Well done. Okay, uh, or some, whoever wrote that. I, Jeff wrote it. I'm just sure who said it initially. Number seven. I lost my pages here. Where are they? Page number seven. We have the interlude, number five. Oh, trumpet number six. Okay, army comes. <clears throat> so, number six. Uh, six angels sounded. I heard a voice of the four horns, the four horns of the golden altar, which is for God. Mind you, that's the altar that's designed for instance of prayer. So, this is the prayer altar. The prayer altar saying the sixth angel who had the trumpet released the four angels who are about the great river Euphrates. Pause. Um, so this is why I said before, why geo-Christian philosophy believes the trumpets are focused upon Israel, the Middle East in particular, because the address being like Euphrates, well, I don't have Euphrates here in Wyoming. There's not one there in California either. So again, the Middle East is the dominant player center of the, of the trumpets. That's one of the reasons why, why they think that. And also trumpet number seven, I kind of agrees with that. Um, anyway, so the four angels who have been prepared for the hour of the day, the month, the year, were released to kill a third of mankind. Wow. And now the number of the army, the horse was 200 million, and I heard, them, heard the number of them. And thus, and thus I saw the horses of the vision. Those who had, sat on them were, had breastplates of fiery red, hyacinth blue, sulfur yellow. The heads of horses were like heads of lions. The mouths came fire, smoke, and brimstone. 
Uh, by the East Street. Oh, yeah, well, feedback loop there. Hold on. Um, let's see. Was it? Uh, where was I? Brimstone. Oh, by these three plagues, the third of mankind was killed by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone, which came out of their mouths. For their powers, their mouth, their tails. For their tails are like serpents, having heads. With them, they do they do harm. Uh, but the rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent the works of their hands that they should not worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which neither see, hear, nor walk. They did not repent of their murderous or sorceries, sexual immorality, or their thefts. Okay, so number six, we have this, 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 these horsemen. We'll call them horsemen. I don't really know what I describe. People say, "Oh, it's a tank! It's a tank! It's a tank!" Maybe I don't know. It could be. I don't know what it is. You could argue it's a tank. Maybe not. Here's something else. It was like a locust. Like they're airplanes. Oh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what they are. There's a big difference. So either way, these horsemen. I don't know how you got 200 million people or 200 million. I couldn't tell you. They say, oh, it's China. Oh, really? Try to convince 200 million Chinese people to go to war. Good luck. I I, I know enough Chinese people that that ain't going to (laughs) happen. Even all the Communist Party, that ain't going to happen. You're going to get 200 million. You'd have, if you combined a whole bunch, let's hold quite a bunch, many nations. Many nations. Maybe you could probably do, do that. Maybe, but I don't really know. So I'm not an expert. I'm not a military expert. You don't get 200 million though. Out of a single nation. Uh, yes. Your question. Oh, Venetian question mark. You're right. Question mark. It could be Venetians. I'm not really sure. Either way, there's somehow associated with the Middle East because that's where it's associated, the Euphrates River. And they do all this, this destruction. And yeah, 30, 30 mankind die. So we have another third die. Um, and, and, and it's terrible, awful, blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to tell you what all these things are. That we know these these exist. You could describe and have theories about the belief of what this thing is or isn't. I can't explain it. What I do want to get the attention to this, is where I think is a, the critical part, because mind just before the tail end of of chapter number four, the warning was sent out. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Bad things are happening. What's the purpose of that of that process? To have to oh oh keep Q and A cut short and done by twenty after the hour. Got it. Yes, sir. So Q and A short, short. So in the in the, so in the in verse four, sorry, chapter four, it was a warning that it is change behavior. Chapter number six, note what they don't do. They don't change the behavior. After all of these destruction happens, one, two, three, four, five, and now six, their behavior is not changing. What's the behavior? What's the goal here? It says verse twenty. The rest of mankind, the survivors, the rest of mankind uh, who were not killed by these plagues did not repent the works or hands. They should that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, stone, wood, and such, and hear and walk and sexual moralities and and all the various thefts. So, what the fascinating part of all this is, though the warning was given at tail end of, of, of chapter four, no one's listening to it. That's what's striking. In spite of all what they are or aren't, no one listens. That's the problem. Again, Ezekiel discusses when the trumpeter blows and the city doesn't pay attention or ignores it, the death is on their hands. The trumpeter's job is to blow. While a trumpeter blows, number six, all these destruction happens, and who's listening? Not a single person. Nobody cares. That's what's striking. That's what I think is interesting this entire trumpet number six, is that nobody responds. After seeing all this destruction of the Middle Eastern territories, the area, 
No one's actually saying, hey, wait a minute, let's change our behavior. Something's got to change. They're not responding. They're not changing. That's the problem. That's inherent responsibility of all mankind. Remember what the saints started out with? They started this little saints were praying. Their praying was all about the Ten Commandments or constantly at least associated with the Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments desire is to change your behavior. This is what good. That's not good. Do this. Don't do that. Well, if the saints are focused upon that and the trumpets are designed to warn people to change their behavior, we have trumpet number six. And what do the people do? They're stubborn and will not change your behavior. Now, I can't say what all the symbols are, who kills what and how these things look. That I'm not interested in. I'm interested in the behavior change. No one's changing their behavior. The trumpet warning is going out, things are occurring, and no one's responding very well to it. That's a problem. I'm just going to skip through some of this because I don't have too much time to do all of it. The little book thing that he, that he, that he writes and such, uh, about, about the, 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 the angel coming down and describing and the thunders and such. I'm not going to read all that stuff. Um, it's not too super critical right now to our topic of, of, of the trumpets. Um, and of course, then we have uh, chapter 11, discuss the two witnesses. Um, again, this is where I, I get, again, Daniel's opinion shows up here. So with inside this trumpet number six, we still have these events going on. The two witnesses, they're, they're, they're two people. Witness. This is my personal opinion here. So you don't have to disagree with me on this one. Because the saints were praying and attached their prayers through the events that followed to the Ten Commandments, which of course attached to the Mount Sinai. When I associate with witnesses and I say, wait a minute, this whole oration of all these events were sparked by an association with the Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments being given to, from, from Moses. What two witnesses, the Ten Commandments, the, the, sorry, two witnesses that mountain have any attachment to? There's only two people in our entire Bible that that mountain has any attachment to. Two people are Moses and Elijah. That's it. We have those two men through our entire Tanakh, the entire mountain of God is attached to those two men. Moses did the commandments and Elijah, the massive earthquake that came through his fleet in Jezebel and, and, and running and running and running. And, and this, the, the, has the earthquake comes by and the fire comes by and, and God's voice, God's in a still small voice. Those are two men who this mountain is attached to. They're, they're connected into, intimately within their lives and their stories. And we know that story. We quote Moses, we quote Elijah, and that event, the still small voice is quoted in every Judeo-Christian philosophy, both in strict Jewish to extreme Christian spectrum. They, they, they quote that. So if I'm going to associate two witnesses and, it, and this whole oration starts out with Ten Commandments, I'm going to think two witnesses are the embodiment or the symbolism or the associated with these two men. So that again, it's all attached to the, the, the sixth trumpet, which no one's listening to. Did anyone listen to Elijah? A small number did. Most didn't. Anyone listen to Moses? Actually, if you read the rest of after the Deuteronomy, you'd see that no, most of them didn't. So the vast majority of people heard Moses, did not follow him. Most of them heard Elijah, did not follow him. So they're being heard, but no one's following. That is indicative of nobody is listening. No one's paying any attention. What does Moses tell you? These are God's laws. This is how you will live. This is how you will not live. What's Elijah tell you? This is who God is. This is who he's not. So we have to know who God is and what he expects of us to do. And nobody's listening in trumpet number six. So again, the two witnesses to me, I associate with, I could be wrong, that they are somehow attached to someone or individuals advocating for Moses' position 
the commandments and instructions of God, and Elijah's position, this is who God is versus who he's not. That's my opinion. You may argue differently or think differently, that's fine, but this is how I view it because it's attached to these men so intimately throughout this entire trumpets. So I'm going to go deeper into those, those guys. You're welcome to, we can go through it in a later time or even when they're in person in a week or so. Um, we're going to include number seven. I have like five, three minutes left. So trumpet number seven. Trumpet number seven comes along. And of course, this is associated with uh, the kings of the earth become gods. <clears throat> so this one sparks. So kingdoms become gods. Oops, I-N-G. There now, kingdoms all become God. Now, kingdoms of the earth, we're not discussing the Middle East anymore. Now, we're talking about the whole earth, because Middle East has a few kingdoms. And this, chapter number seven, sparks, oops, sparks the later on all the bold judgments on the globe. Hence, the Judeo-Christian viewpoint that the trumpets are answering the prayers, but number seven sparks the bring, beginning or the bringing in of the overall, uh, the, 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 the correction of planet or the globe as a whole. So number seven is associated with that. It makes general sense. They all praise God. All, all these great things are praying and such. Then we go into the story about the woman and the war in heaven and beast, the sea and the earth and all these various things that affect the whole globe and how they're interacting. So that's how I associate with these general, general stories. You will note that in Matthew 24, as well as the Thessalonians and, 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 and Chronicles, it appears, say, the last trump, the great last trump, you know, we'll all go to, uh-oh, some will go into heaven, Jesus come down, God will come down, all these great things, these different, different pictures or imagery we have in our heads. You will note in this, uh, in our revelations, it does not appear initially to just say agree with or support that philosophy or that, that idea. That somehow this magic number trumpet number seven will make us all converted into spirits and whatever else and all the theories. I'm not saying they're wrong. Just it doesn't 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 read that way within our text, and that spawns the more modern, I should say, theological opinion that the Book of Revelation is not necessarily sequential, and it could be simultaneous, meaning that the events amongst the seals and the trumpets and the bold judgments can overlap and cross each other at timing. So, and that, that's, that's becoming more and more popular as time goes on, less so much as, even though it's written sequentially, it's not necessarily chronological. It is conceivable the relation is not a chronological book, which I don't think it's chronological, but some people do, it's fine. Um, in which case, if it was not chronological, then the Paul's argument and discussion about the, the, the trumpet being, you know, the last trumpet being number seven, Converting us into, into spirits and such, and, and God and Jesus coming down, um, that would be consistent with his with his description. But again, that is a theology that's more common in modern writers as opposed to older writers, which viewed the Revelation story dominantly as a sequential order, as opposed as opposed to a simultaneous order. The simultaneous is becoming more and more uh, accepted, or more and more uh, philosophy more and more common. I don't mean simultaneous being synchronous with each other. I mean, sometimes mean that there's some overlap between timing when things start and when something else begins. But that's just how it's commonly being thought of in modern writers. <clears throat> so the idea behind this, these trumpets is to celebrate not the destruction of mankind or the destruction of all, of all the, the, the various things that God, God is going to attack or destroy or, or condemn or whatever you call it. The idea is that the celebration, it is a celebration of 
the warning of, hey, this is what's going to happen. Because the purpose of Trump is to warn you, this is going to happen. These things are going to occur. Change your behavior to match in a court and, and, and address what our behavior is so we can avoid being in the middle of this mess. Hope it makes sense. Peace Trumpets is a glorious time. It's a phenomenal time. It is a, it is a scary time also. All shut together in these various events. But the Feast Trumpets is all about that. It's called the Day of the Lord for a purpose. It's not called Day of the Lord because we felt like it. It's called the Day of the Lord, which the, which the, 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 the prophets will talk about. This is a dreadful, terrible, scary, awful day. But the Day of the Lord is all sent to the prophets around people who choose to not follow God. It's their, their day. The Day of the Lord is against them. Those who say, God, you're out of here. I My own way is what I will follow. And that's where the, dis, the, the, dis, the disconnect happens with inside the Feast Trumpets and people. Feast Trumpets is not a positive woohoo yay event for everybody. It may be for some, but not for everybody. Some people, it's miserable, as we can see in our instructions here. Some people, however, it's also the Lord. My king's coming back. I could see him at some point, not sure when, but to see him. <laughs> That's a good thing. I want that. So it's a necessary, difficult, hard thing to go through. But the Feast Trumpets is all about that. It's about the day of the Lord. God's saying, hey, Earth, you've done your own thing for 7,000 years, give or take, six to, six, six to 7,000 years. So in the ballpark, uh, we're not going to change this and fix it. We want our, our world fixed. We want these corrections, not necessarily a bloody mess necessarily, but we want the corrections done. We want people to, to repent and change behavior. Who doesn't want people to change behavior? We all want our children to improve, want ourselves to improve, want our nation to improve. We all want our, our behavior change. This is a good thing. We want that. Uh, ben and I, you have a comment? We're going to end with a Q&A now. Go ahead, Ben and I. I was wondering, brother, if uh, you thought that maybe the possibility um, for the two witnesses, I mean, I could be absolutely wrong on this, but I'm just going to present it forth, the possibility that maybe that it's uh, Elijah and Enoch, uh, Elijah being basically for the Jewish people and Enoch being for the Gentile people, so the two witnesses that would cover basically the whole earth. It's conceivable. Um, again, the reason why I associate with Moses because the the, the Mount Sinai seemed to be a, a, a theme that that shows up with inside this whole thunder lightning thing and the trumpets and the noise and such. For being Enoch, it's it's conceivable. I'm not sure how I would associate the trumpet stories with Enoch. It might be. I I, I read a little bit about uh, the different. Uh, 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 the, the different theories about Enoch and some of the some of the books that were associated with his name that's not really technically he didn't write them but they're called Book of Enoch. A little bit about that and Enoch the book at least not saying so much the man the book associates a lot with demonic world influence or sorry demonic influence sorry in the world a demonic influence inside human humanity's human behavior what they do and don't do but Enoch covers a lot of that. I'm not saying it's associated with the actual man himself that just it's just happens to bear bear the title the name but. It's conceivable that that would be a fair or a potential option. Um, I don't know for certain. Like I said, I associate with most Elijah because that's how I associate the Ten Commandments and being the initial start of the trumpets being the, the earthquake, thunders, lightning thing, which it, which attaches to this Mount Sinai. That's how I attach it. But uh, I, to be fair, this is my opinion. This is how I view it. I can't say I'm right. It's just how I view it. Yeah, me too. I'm uh, not, I'm not uh, saying Catholic. that I'm right either. It's oh. just an idea. Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. It, it, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for that. 
I'd have to I'd have to do more research and find out is there any a further association with Enoch and any of the events described here within inside the trumpets. I don't know. I haven't done enough study to find that out or not. Okay. Well, thank you, brother, uh, and bless Catholic, you for everything you've done. Amen. Thank you. God praise God. Uh, Catherine, your comment. Uh, this has been quite fascinating, and one of the things that struck me was the parallel in the last three trumpets with the final judgments on Egypt, because at the, at the seventh, it, it, that thing where Pharaoh says, I repent, and then he hardens his heart, and it's uh, like from that moment on, there is no turning back. He is doomed. Right. And, there, and so you see this parallel of the acceleration of things, and what happens in Egypt is the Israelites, the people of God are released, and Pharaoh goes after them, but it's his ultimate destruction. Uh, and, I, and I see this, this whole thing developing where there are parallels. I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, that, that I tend to think the same thing. There seems to be something that when, when people are put into a corner, you want to see things happen. They either humble themselves and submit or lash out and fight. And Pharaoh was a lash out and fighter. <clears throat> I'm not going to humble myself or anything. And these people, similarly, it's that, it's that spiritual mindset that is hell-bent on going to hell. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of it, but the idea is that I, I, I will, I, it's my way or I die type of, type of mentality. And, and that, that is, it is, it is a, it is a understandable. I comprehend it. I'm a human being too. I understand the idea, but holy cow, man, come on. At what point do you realize something's going to give and Swan's a whole lot stronger than you are? And Pharaoh did never really acquiesce to that, never said, okay, I admit, I can't do this. I'm done. He never gave up. And I think the same thing, these individual people, I can't imagine them saying, I'm not going to give up. But yet, our book says explicitly that. They say, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to win. You can't make me. That sense of rebellious is just, is just shocking. I understand it because I'm rebellious to a human being. But still, there's a level which I say, hey, hey, enough's enough. I'm done rebelling. This isn't working for me. But for some reason, these individuals described here apparently as a whole don't see that. Okay, we end with that. We're out of time. So I apologize. Thank you for your time. This, this topic of trumpets um, is a fascinating one. It's fun. It's interesting. There's lots of stuff in here and a million and one opinions. And I can't say any of them are right or wrong. Um, but it's interesting to tie any opportunity I have to tie the, the stories in any passage with insider Bibles to earlier ones that say similar things or similar events, or similar stories. That tells me in general, God is pointing out that this event is somehow connected to that one over there. Read them both and compare them. There's got to be a connection associated with it because God is a God of repetition. I want to repeat again and again and again. Do it again and again and again until I finally get it. Once I can teach your children over and over again, the rules are repeated over and over and over again. They're always testing. They're the same idea. And God works with you the same way. So I associate with it. I think it's fun and interesting to talk about. It is an enormously large topic and I could not possibly cover it in a single day. But the trumpets themselves is pay attention to the events going around you because those are our only warnings being given and respond accordingly as opposed to rebel or react. You've been listening to a discussion at Hallel Fellowship. If you would like to hear more discussions or if you have any questions, visit the website at hallel.info. That's H-A-L-L-E-L dot I-N-F-O. Hallel.info. Hallel.info.